1: friends, and welcome into episode 14 for the Vault Club Confidential. Well, that's part two of our Josh Hypel interview. I'm your host, Austin Price. Let's bring in Spire CEO James Clawson. James, you've had the counter on the website, tallying up each and every Vault Club member. I think one of the coolest things, though, is kind of the state-by-state counter. Have we got to 50 states yet? I think we're missing Vermont, but we got Hawaii, so we're close. Vermont, yeah. so any Vermont Vols yeah. out there? I think there's actually a Vermont Vol on VolQuest. Where are you at, my guy? Like you got, you got to get. I mean, it's, it's as little as five dollars a month. Yeah, got to get him. Um, take me through, um, just kind of how much fun it's been to kind of interact with these people in different states, because you know, again, not everybody's living within two hours shot of, of of campus, and some people just want that connection.
0: Yeah, I think one of the coolest things is is. You know, whether it's the tailgates in the fall, the watch parties, um, the the Zooms that we've done is getting to know some of the same people, you know, and, and they've they've come to a lot of our tailgates. So they've come to watch parties. And so we're starting to develop like a community of people that, you know, whether they live in Boston or they live in California. You know, we all have mutual interests. We all want to support the Vols. And, you know. Otherwise, we may not have ever come together, right? So um, it's been kind of cool, and I think a lot of new friendships have, have come out of it. So um, it's, it's it's one aspect of it that we really didn't think about initially, but it's been kind of cool to see that.
1: Yeah, know. the Vol Network says from Mountain City to Memphis. The Volunteer Club says from Maine to Montana. Um, w- when you kind of look at you know the last six to eight months, the growth – um the the partnership with tennessee uh which is more prevalent now um how, how fascinating has it been to see kind of what that's looked like as everything's kind of evolved
0: yeah so obviously a lot of unknowns we we, we didn't know a whole lot as so we were we were getting into this and and um you know over the last six to eight months it's 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 changed a lot you know we've been able to, to change with it I think um, in a good way um, but you know the from the partnership with Tennessee to you know again our, our members coming together um, you know it's been pretty cool to watch and I think you know I don't know what's what's in the future uh, you know but we're we're here for it we're here to support the Vols and, and make it the best we can the best we can
1: all right now time for part two with head coach Josh Heupel. you walk in there you meet with the the team for the first time what was that like because a bunch of those guys were hurting they were thinking whether they need to leave or not some of them did leave a bunch of them did yeah. leave um but you kind of found they out were quickly almost
2: all gone before i got in the team <laughs> but, room but
1: but you found out real quick kind of who you could get in the foxhole with
2: yeah r- real quick i i think this is uh this is the group that that chose to stay right they they didn't choose me but they chose the power t and and i did too and that was kind of the common bond between us and um, you know that opening um, team meeting, uh, I think, was really important. Just for them to gain insight, and, and in some ways, gain some trust. There was a lot of trust that had to be built in in the coming months, um, but uh, it was really important. And you know, you walk in there, you don't recognize. Almost every face. There were a few that I had recruited, so um, you know, recognized them as as I was talking to them. Some I knew were on the roster, some I didn't, and uh, so it was a it was a great beginning, beginning, uh, beginning spot.
1: So those first few months, like you just had no juice in recruiting at all, and and I just kept saying, look, guys, like all these other schools are, you know, it's not necessarily negative recruiting. They're just, I mean, I guess you could say it is, but at the same time, it's kind of just like. Hey, they're, they're presenting doubt, you know, like Tennessee's going to get with an eight-year bowl ban, a six-year bowl ban, and these parents, they don't know. Yeah. You know, they're just, you know, do I, do I listen to the coach that's potentially going at a program going on probation, or do I listen to the one that's not? You know, so they're, they're trying to figure things out. Then you get a little bit of momentum, which started with Elijah Herring, an in-state kid. Take me through that time. Was it like kind of like, oh, we just need something to fall our way. And then when it eventually did, then, you know, started to steamroll a little bit.
2: Yeah. With all the uncertainty outside of our program, you had to create the buy in from the guys that were inside of the program. Sure. And then you had to start letting people see that. And it's in the middle of COVID. So nobody was really yeah. around the program. And so you're you're truly trying to sell, you know, who you are, what you're doing and what the culture is and, and how, you know, you're changing things. While you're doing it over a Zoom call, nobody gets a chance to see anything tangibly. And uh, one of the hardest things that you know myself and our staff went through, and um, you know Elijah's recruitment him buying into to what we were doing was a huge part of us kind of springboarding our first class that we would eventually sign and um smart tough competitive couldn't pick anybody better to to be kind of the tip of the sword on on that side of it and and uh, uh that started to change a little bit of the narrative once we got through spring ball we got into the summer and people were able to start coming around and, and being around the facility. They could tell that, you know, there were some things that had changed and were changing inside of Tennessee football. You mm-hmm.
1: wasn't that first year, and you, you go 7-5 in the regular season. Um, you know, just got some momentum, had some fun, you know, won some games, scored some points. And it just felt like at that point, like, you know, you got to that point where you actually were able to show tangible proof. And you know, at that by that point, recruits could be on campus again and yeah. stuff. Um Kind of just take me through that first year. Uh, like it, it, to me, will that be your kind of special group? But just because what they were, what they inherited, and kind of you know the, the fact they overachieved to get to where they were.
2: Yeah, these two classes will go down. And I'm talking the talking about the senior classes will go down as a group that you know changed the the future of Tennessee football and in some ways saved it. Uh, as we started to rebuild the cornerstone pieces to what it's going to be as as we move forward, guys that bought in uh, to us immediately and typically, you know, there's a lot of pushback when you take over a program from a senior class. Uh, they just lost uh, a coach um, they're skeptical about what's going to happen they also see themselves you know as only having another 10 eleven months inside of the program it's hard sometimes to get them to buy in and become great leaders inside your program in some ways they got to sell you know the head coach's vision and, and that group of individuals did an unbelievable job of buying in and and creating a culture within our, our locker room and uh, slowly but surely, answering the questions about who and what we're going to be. And there's those questions at every stop. When you start your off-season program, when you start spring ball, when you start your summer training, when you start training camp. You know, how do you handle a win? How do you handle failure during the season? There's all those things that are completely unknown. Nobody has anything to fall back on. And, Uh, they did a great job of of leading us and you know you said one of the the key things i think is you know our our players and our staff they do have fun and that year we had fun competing together every single day on the practice field but then competing with each other uh and for each other when we got to game day and i think that's one of the things that you know reinvigorized our, our our fan base too is they saw the way that our players competed, they could tell that they were prepared, and they could tell that they they loved one another. You
1: know that whole off season, um, I, I just felt like you know the fans had kind of you know they had kind of rose to the occasion for 15 years, and finally they hit their right. breaking point where it's like I'm taking a wait and see approach here, <laughs> yeah. and I, it, it was it was a loss, but I, I think it was the Ole Miss game where like they were like okay, you know because you're coming off Missouri and South Carolina. You know, two wins where you kind of you know scored points and flipped the flipped some momentum, and then even in the loss at Ole Miss, you could just tell the fans were like, "This is our guy." This is, I mean, like all of a sudden they started to like. It was like, okay, we're back in again. You know, I mean, like, it, could you feel that? Yeah,
2: I, I felt like they started to truly believe that on any given Saturday we were going to have a chance to win a football game. And um, it grew from, you know, hope to, to belief uh, inside of our fan base. And that's kind of what our, our team did, too. When we started the season, I think we were hoping to win on, on game day <laughs> and, and then kind of moved to, uh, you know, believing that we were going to accomplish those things. And, you know, I don't I don't blame our fan base at all. It have been um, – Some tough years, um, but at the same time, uh, you could tell the passion and the love that the fan base has for our players and and for this program. And it's been a fun journey, you know, kind of resurrecting and and rebuilding them, uh, rebuilding it with them.
1: You get to this year, and you got Hendon coming back with all the expectations, and and you get off to this phenomenal start. Um, You finally get Tennessee finally gets over the hump against Florida. Um, Kind of take me through that game and especially the last like eight minutes yeah let's not relive the last <laughs> but, but, but did, <laughs> but did last you but my, my point though is like did you i guess did you learn like sometimes we just can't take like instead of trying to like you know you just got to keep the foot down
2: because it felt like you're just trying to get that thing to triple zeros at that point. <laughs> i don't know if we try to keep the foot down and it doesn't work i'm going to hear it on the flip side of that too True, i think but, you're, you're trying to balance all of it and
0: and uh you ready showtime
2: You know, at the end of the day, it's about coming away with the win. That one got a lot tighter than we wanted to after the downside kick and, and everything that transpired. Um, I, I, I felt like that was an awesome, unbelievable moment, something that I, I still will remember uh, forever. Um, you know, that's an important game, and I knew that you know from an outsider's perspective you know florida tennessee those were the games that i grew up watching Uh, they were the game in college football when that game arrived every uh saturday and and uh uh, Partake in that to find a way to, to be up on the scoreboard and then eventually win it, not in the the prettiest of fashions, but to find a way to win. Uh, you could you could feel the excitement, um, in some ways, a sense of relief from from some of the fans um, to to go win that game.
1: But were you aware that in the last seven years that Florida had hit a fourth and seventeen with another a minute to go? From like seventy yards out to beat Tennessee, they hit a helm mary at the gun to beat Tennessee. All these things happened. So like when they got the onside kick, everybody that's a ball fan's like, oh no, I've seen this again. Yeah, you know well,
2: we need to keep Smokey from jumping on the uh, the alligator a little bit too early. <laughs> then I didn't I didn't know the entire history of the game.
1: So you had Checker Nealon that night. And I know you thought that was super cool. Man. Do you know the origins of Checker Nealon?
2: I, I do not.
1: So, a game you coached in, 2014, Oklahoma hosting Tennessee. Yeah. They striped it. Tennessee fans thought, and the administration at the time thought that was so neat that they striped the Oklahoma, that the next year they came back and they checkered Nealon for Oklahoma here as a kind of rebuttal. So, yeah. that's kind of where Checker Nealon
2: started. Um when you let flip. me just tell you the, the the checker kneeling, there's not a better look in college football <laughs> inside the the stadium. It's it's awesome to to walk out to.
1: Oh, I don't disagree. I think it's pretty neat. Um, when you when you look at the Alabama game, can you replicate that atmosphere? I mean, Florida was good, but Alabama was just next level.
2: Yeah, I mean, from uh, you know what campus started to look like on Thursday, let alone on Friday when yeah. we went to the hotel, Vol navy being in full force i don't know how many boats were there you know 100 boats on on friday night already um looked like they were having a pretty good time too that's gonna be on my bucket list whenever i'm done coaching this uh to be at, at vol navy um and uh the drive to the stadium vol walk i mean it's something i'm gonna remember forever the orange out and and um you know the energy inside the the stadium was uh second to not man special and they
1: handed you the cigar after the game I mean, you're just face like it was just like <laughs> I, I, I don't even know I don't think it had set in at that point but you could just tell man you're uh, like this is cool
2: man The uh, there were so many ups and downs
1: oh the scoop and score so, so the
2: very end of the football game that uh, you didn't get a chance to enjoy it until it was over and um you know, I went and did the, the TV interview, and we always go to the band afterwards. I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I walked <laughs> towards luck, the band for luck. about, for Three about five, five, uh, five to ten yards and, and <laughs> quickly realized that was the wrong way to go. <laughs> I better be uh, turning it around. But uh, the walk back to the locker room with the, the fans swarming, um, the energy, it uh, you know, Bill uh, got a cool uh, video on the way back. He was back behind me and took video, and that's. You now, something that uh, I'm gonna have forever, man, is a special moment, special, special celebration, and uh, those things, you know, don't come along very often like that. That's a that's a special moment for our fan base, for our players, and, and myself.
1: The moment I realized it was pretty special was when Peyton Manning came out of the Lower West Club and was down in the f- <laughs> down on the field with everybody. But yeah, hey, he had a good, he had a good time hey, in the locker room that, that, too. But when you look at you know that game. Was there a moment in time where you're like, "Ugh, that that hurt." What, like when they when they picked off the pass there late, and then they called the pass interference. Did you immediately mm-hmm. see the flag, or are you watching the run back? No,
2: I, I saw it unfold. I'm looking at the uh, ju- back judge uh, back behind it, and I'm wondering if they're gonna. Call it, and saw him reach, and there was a long delay, and I was like, "Son of God, they ain't gonna call it." And uh, it finally, uh, finally came out.
1: And you're like, "See, you're see, like fans are just watching the ball. You're like, like looking at the back judge. You're yeah. like totally mm-hmm. different bandit, uh, kind of viewpoint that well, you're seeing you, a you game see, in. You
2: see something unfold, and your eyes take you to the next part of what needs to, to happen. happen. Absolutely. Then you hit Jalen on, on on
1: on the crossing pattern for the fifth touchdown. Can you – I mean, like that's like a – in your yeah, wildest that, dreams, no, you can't imagine no. getting five touchdowns, and, and much none, less against Alabama. In and, and
2: none, none of our dreams did, <laughs> did we think that. But uh, that will go down as an all-time great performance, man. Special day by, by Jalen. <clears throat> and really, um, obviously, Hendon, too. There, there were a lot of special things that, that Hendon did during the course of that game. And that performance by Jalen's uh, one that will go down in, in the history books.
1: Flip it back in reverse, go back to that LSU game. Tennessee fans just took over Baton Rouge. Yeah. You know, how neat was that second half, you know, just hearing the fans, seeing the lack of LSU fans, got took advantage of that 11 a.m. local kickoff. Breakfast on the bayou turned down to the yeah. beatdown on the bayou. Yeah. Um, how, how much did you kind of, you know, did you take that in at all in the fourth quarter?
2: Uh, not in the fourth quarter. Now, after the game, when it struck zero, and, I mean, there was nothing but orange in the, in the corner, and – Opportunity for our players to go over by our band with our fans and celebrate that and then you know hearing them on the way out of the the stadium Special special day in Baton Rouge
1: most special moments you take with you is what is it just Alabama or is there is I mean like after a win
2: that's so hard like as a program like, like t- you, you t- 30, talked about like, a lot of great moments.
1: Well, no, I know, but what I'm saying though is like, and again, we will be coaching, I'll be coaching forever because you have morning practices and, you know, my kids are in school and that's phenomenal for me. Um, uh, I keep telling you that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, but when you, like, when you look back thirty years from now, is there a moment in season one or season two? And it could be season one. It doesn't have to be this past year nah. where you had more success. Like, is there a p- moment where you're like, that's one of those memories that will just jog to me?
2: I think there's been a lot of checkpoints uh, along the way, and you talked a lot about them, uh, about a lot of them in this, you know, twenty two season that we had. Um, I think one of the big, you know, milestones for us as a program was going back to twenty one, being on the road, ranked Kentucky team. Um, You know, us taking another step in how we prepared and how we competed, being able to fight through the the end of the ball game, Um, you know, offense, defense, special teams, the way defense finished that ball game, you know, giving up a long uh, conversion and then, you know, going four straight plays and and forcing uh, the end of the football game in the right right scoreboard uh, for us. uh, all those moments are, are things that, man, I'm never going to forget. And something that, as I look back on you know, these two classes of seniors that have left our program, you know, the footprint and, and what they've you know, left behind them.
1: You look at 23 and, you know, some key pieces on offense you have to replace. Darnell, I don't know if they get bigger than that. Yep. I mean, That's not even a quarterback. Hendon, obviously, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman. But I think you're always going to be able to score points. It just feels like this, the next evolution of the program happens on the other side of the ball. That the defense, which took, a I think, a big step from one year to the yeah. next, has a chance to take an even bigger step heading into year three.
2: Yeah, um, there's really good players on both sides of the line of scrimmage that, that we're losing. Um, you know uh, that's a great thing and a tough thing about college football you know a yeah. quarter of your roster you gotta turn over every single year and comes a great opportunity. and you know you saw some young guys take advantage of that in the bowl game. They got an opportunity to play and played at a really high level. Uh, there's no doubt um, that, that we'll play elite defense here. Um, and um, we're on a journey to get there as fast as we can. I love you know what we're doing and who we're doing it with. Um, we need to take another step uh, you know as a program, and we can take another step on the defense side of the ball and anticipate us doing that.
1: How would you rate yourself as a recruiter five years ago? versus now like like you know what I'm saying like how, how much have you evolved in that realm because you talk about doing it 365 in this league you didn't really have to do that at at, at Central Florida it's just the diff- you're recruiting a different kind of kid you it, it know is. just like Alex is recruiting a different kind of kid at South Florida now than you recruited yeah. at Tennessee so like have you have you morphed as a recruiter because it felt like the guy that walked in here in 21 to me, and again, I'm I cover this on a daily basis, so I can kind of you know speak to it a little bit. It felt like your growth was pretty substantial from year one to year two, and you weren't bad in year one, but it seemed like you know like you took a, like hey, Arian Carter, man, I want that kid, and you went after him, like you you kind of pinpointed and was like, boom, that's my guy, and you went after him.
2: Well, I just think you know everywhere you're at it's going to be different and it's different because of, of the program its reach um, you know the things that are going to be different regionally what you're competing against and and you know how you got to go go get players and, and sell your program and, and what you're doing and so um, have I grown yeah absolutely we grow in all areas um, but we've certainly grown on the recruiting side of it too and and uh, you know, we've, you know, learned lessons inside of our po- footprint. How do we be more intentional? How do we do a better job selling the product that we have and, and making sure that we're getting the right kid, too, that that's going to, you know, fit the culture of what we're trying to build.
1: I asked you when you got uh, introduced about, you know, every coach steps up here and they talk about putting the fence around the state and building a wall <laughs> around the state and all this stuff. Right. And, like, that's a bit far-fetched because, you know, kids are going to leave. I mean uh, – but at the same time, you, you, you're making the state a priority, and you've done that, and you continue to do that. What kind of reception have you seen from the in-state kids when you first got here, when you're inheriting all the, the stuff that's unknown, to now coming off 11 wins? Is, is it a different feel? Yeah,
2: relationships about communication, relationship building, and being consistent in that. And that's with... You know people have their boots on on the ground high school coaches uh, it's with the the recruit and his family um i, I think those things are, are so important the longer we've been here there's a lot more to be able to substantially sell and it's not just about the future you're able to point to some of the things that you've already done inside of your program to understand the trajectory of where we're going um recruiting this state the right way is vitally important to the success of uh, of Tennessee, and and uh, you know we've been intentional. You know the coaches, the amount of coaches that we put inside of the state, our ability to go connect. I've tried to be intentional, making sure that I'm out inside of the state when you know the head coach is able to be out on the road. And make sure that, you know, we're doing a great job of evaluating guys. Doesn't mean we're going to take every guy. Doesn't mean that every every young man's going to choose us either. But uh, you recruit them the right way uh, more times than not, um, you know, you're going to be able to, to win that.
1: All right, we're going to take some social media questions. This from Lane underscore VFL. Coach, what's on your game day music playlist? Do you have a playlist?
2: I don't have a, a playlist. Um but uh, I'm typically going to listen to uh, some Jay-Z uh, radio, Mumford & Sons, too. Um, so a weird combination right there, I know. Not a country music guy. Um, not on game day.
1: Not on game day. What about mm-hmm. just?
2: When I'm riding down the uh, car, <laughs> riding right, right to the office, So it's just what we'll, we'll gets you in the mood for certain things. Absolutely.
1: What did you listen to when you were a player? Same type stuff?
2: Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: This one from Tyler Wright, 1865. Favorite recruiting story? It doesn't have to be from here. It can be from anywhere.
2: Man, um, recruiting story. B,
1: uh, to put it in context, BJ told the one about a, a couple weeks ago that you know, he, when he was at Texas, a, a kid, he did this whole 45-minute like, deal. Kid disappears, goes into his bedroom. What BJ didn't understand that there was a kid – or a, actually a reporter in the bedroom that was like verifying everything that BJ had been saying in this meeting. And of course it checked out. The, BJ was telling the truth and the kid comes in and he ends up signing with Texas, flips from A&M to Texas. So he said, now every time I walk into a kid's house, I go into his bedroom to check. And, ch- and, ch- and, <laughs> and check. To check, 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 see who's check, there.
2: Check what's going on, How, going on. <laughs> Uh, that's wild. I, uh, I I can see that happening. Uh, something similar happened to me uh, this year, actually. Um, we thought we were getting pretty close to, to closing on a guy, thought uh, the words were ready to, to come out of his mouth. All of a sudden, he disappeared into his uh, his bedroom for about 15, 20 minutes, and it went a little cold on us, but uh, we got positive word uh, after we had left the house.
1: There we go. Um, this is from Kenny Clayton. What would you say to fans who are considering – and on, but on the fence about joining the volunteer club.
2: Man, I, I think um, you know the volunteer Club's vitally important to uh, to what we're doing inside of our program. And I say that meaning um, you know one of the great things here is, is the opportunity that players have for personal professional development. Um, this is a great city to live in, and in today's uh, landscape, um, you know I think it's important that we provide the best resources and the best opportunities that we can for for any of our players.
1: Final one, this from Drew Hashimura. What are the biggest challenges that need to be addressed this off season?
2: Uh, there's a bunch. Um, individually, uh, we got to grow, and then uh, collectively, to um, for us, uh, you can easily start just you know the guys that uh, are are gone from our program, guys that uh, you know have graduated or you know are entering the the draft. Uh, those are opportunities uh, for sure that are open. Uh, we got to develop the players at that. Uh, become a cohesive group, Um, you know, you look at offensively, uh, two wide receivers that we got to replace, the continuity, um, you know, quarterback position, uh, continuing to develop uh, the starter, but also the guys behind them, and, uh, you know, defensively, Uh, got a lot of guys returning in the front seven um, but uh, the secondary uh, we got to sure some things up we got competition there Uh, we got to stay healthy through spring and and training camp I I think looking back uh, on a year ago um, you know some of the injuries that we had uh, hurt those guys in their development and and that showed up and just our ability to be consistent in the way that we played uh, during the course of the season Uh, if we can you know keep those guys healthy have great practices uh, then we can develop those guys go more rapid fire here do your Kids play sports, if not, and if so, which ones? Absolutely. Uh, Golf for my daughter. Uh, She flipped the the switch to to golfing this year. She can stroke it off the, uh, the, uh, the tee box. And then my son is all ball, basketball, baseball, football, whatever he's got in his hand is what he wants to be.
1: When you play your son in basketball, how competitive are you? Hype.
2: Listen, uh, he has not beaten me. Uh, that's a sore sore spot with my wife a little bit. But um, make him earn it. That's right. Hey, let me tell you. He but tried, are you out there like he, blocking
1: he, his it, shots, or do you just play hard D? Like, is there's a difference between like you know, like I always said, Jawan Jennings was so listen, competitive. He's
2: twelve. He's twelve. He can take one <laughs> getting blocked. You know what I mean? He. Uh, but uh, he's always going to try me at my worst moments too. He sees a sign of weakness. He's going to try to take advantage of it what game
1: lives on in the memory in your memory the most as player or coach
2: Man, um, what sticks with you I don't know I think the, uh, the Orange Bowl um, you know just the culmination of this season if you weren't coaching what would you be doing holy cow I really don't have an answer for that one I cannot imagine doing Doing anything else at this point. You
1: know? Working with me and Hubs at Valkwest. No chance. Um,
2: <laughs> no chance. I, I can tell you what I'm not going to be doing if I'm, if I'm not coaching.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have you cover the basketball team, you and Rob and Grant. Uh, best mm-hmm. advice
2: someone has given you? Um, um, when I got here, uh, be you. Uh, don't try to be something else. Don't try to conform I to agree anything. With that. Uh, be you. And uh, I think that's important for your players, but you know, for your fan base too. Biggest lesson you've learned from one of your athletes is what? Holy cow! There's been a bunch of them. How to communicate? How to show them that you care, that you love them? Um, you know, how to help them grow. Uh, I think uh, you know, just how you interact with them. Uh, I think uh, is one of the things that I've taken away. When you
1: were in Orlando, I would imagine if you went out to eat, nobody really paid that much attention.
2: They, they notice you here. They do.
1: Much like they probably did in Norman, Oklahoma. What do you do? You like that? Do you like
2: that interaction? Um, It's just all part of it. I'll tell you what, here, you know, when I'm by myself or with my wife, you know, I mean, Um, people come up to you. uh, People recognize you and acknowledge you, and, and, um, you know, I love getting a chance to meet fans um i think one of the unique things here is when i'm with my kids they let me be a dad Uh, they still may acknowledge you but they they don't interrupt you and that's really unique here i've been other places where that's not the case and um you know i'm not (laughs) i don't get a chance to be a dad with my my kids out in the public very often but i love the fact that they let me be a dad when i'm here
1: one former vol that you've not met yet that you would like to meet willie galt nice very nice. If you could have dinner with dead three people dead or alive, who would it be?
2: Martin Luther King, JFK, man, third one. I don't know. Brent Hubbs.
1: I like that. He'll bring you some tomatoes. Um, <laughs> best, best Tennessee tradition is what? Is it the ball walk or is it the tea?
2: Ooh, man, that's so tough. Mm. Both are so unique in college football. Um I was a skeptic of the Vol Walk. Everybody talked about how great it was.
1: I was most disappointed they didn't. They pulled you into the gates at the Orange hey. Bowl because, buddy, you should see oh. the area. Go back and look at 2014 Tax Slayer Bowl.
2: Yeah.
1: the amount of people at the bowl game yeah. was s- silly, and that's why I was like, "Oh, I can't believe they're gonna pull them through the gates." But keep going.
2: I, I mean, the first vol walk that I went to, I, I did not understand what it would be like. And there's a lot of schools that have a walk. There's nothing like it in college sports.
1: Well, the good, no, good news for you is that thing is really scaled back from the standpoint of like they keep them back. I'll never forget. I was being a young kid when when Coach Fulmer got let go in 2008, and at that point, I'm shooting highlights. So I'm right in front of Philip the whole way down the ball walk, and I've got somebody grabbing a hold of my belt to make sure I don't fall. And the amount of people that were literally shoulder to shoulder with me as I'm going down backwards was wild. And that's how it was for a long time. And then COVID happened and they kind of set, they pushed everybody back. So you do get the benefit of a little bit of a buffer. Yeah. There was no buffer before COVID. It was it was right on top of you. You're a big uniform guy. You, uh, you what, What's your favorite combination? I know you let the players decide, but if, if coaches pick picking. We
2: actually do let the players if, decide. If,
1: the, if, if, if you got to pick a game, are you going just orange on white, or do you like white on I, white? I love
2: the tradition, traditional uniforms, uh, as good as it gets. Um, man, I think the, the dark mode jerseys this year with the helmet combination, pretty special.
1: We'll get you out the door on this one. If you could give advice to your younger self, knowing what you know now, what would
2: it be? As a young coach, man, as a coach? Either one. Well, as a young person, man, find your passion. Within that, you're going to find your purpose. And and, uh, I think that's really important that you find both of those things. And as I've gone through my coaching career, um, I've realized what my purpose is.
1: That's great advice. great look into what tick makes this man tick Tennessee spring practice will start up next month with those morning practices I love those Coach Apple, we appreciate you and uh, we appreciate you joining us on Ball Club Confidential
2: appreciate it go Big Orange
1: Plus.